I'm Laura Herberg, and this is Curiosity, where WDET finds answers to your questions about everything Detroit. Today's episode is going to make you hungry if you eat meat. And if you don't eat meat, well, stay with us because we are going to talk about something that is arguably the most Detroit thing after cars and Motown. That's right. This episode, we are talking about the Coney Dog. A Coney Island hot dog is, of course, a beef frankfurter with a natural casing that snaps when you bite into it. It's covered with onions and mustard and a meaty chili sauce, and that's all inside a steamed bun. In the Motor City, it's hard to go very far without running into a Leo's Coney Island or a National Coney Island or a Lafayette Coney Island or one of the numerous others spread across the region which is what led West Bloomfield listener and former Ohioan Grant Schumacher to wonder, why are they all Coney's? Well, I was just looking around. There are just so many of them, of restaurants that were kind of alike in the area. And anywhere I lived in the past, there might be like one hot dog restaurant or something like that. Uh, in Columbus, it was called Dirty Frank's Hot Dog Palace. But so many of them around and hadn't really seen that type of thing before. WDET's Quinn Kleinfelter looked into why there are so many Coney Islands in Detroit. Some historians believe the meat of the story began in the 1900s at a Coney Island in Jackson, Michigan. Others say it started in Detroit around that same time period after Greek immigrant Gus Kiros came to town searching for work in the auto industry. Instead of joining a production line, he began selling food to auto workers from a small pushcart. His granddaughter, Grace Kiros, says Gust made a little money and purchased the expansive corner shop she sits in now, designed for those who wanted a quick meal. Downstairs in the basement was the first speakeasy in Detroit. They used to come downstairs in the basement, gamble, have their drinks, then they wouldn't be hungry, they would need to eat. Grandpa invented the coney, the chili is a Greek chili sauce, it's our own secret recipe. All the place needed was a name. Kiro says her grandfather's thoughts turned to the Coney Island Carnival lights that greeted him when he first stepped foot on U.S. soil. He remembers as a young man that came from a village in the mountains and saw that amusement park when he landed in New York. It was so amazing to him. It made such an impression on him. He was so grateful that he was in America, American Coney Island. That's how the name caught on. Kiro says her grandfather brought relatives from Greece to the red, white, and blue-themed restaurant, training them in the art of the Coney, helping them set up their own shops. His brother William took control of a narrow storefront right next door, calling it Lafayette Coney Island, complete with a long lunch counter and seafoam green decor. Both restaurants developed a loyal fan base. Where's my hot dog at? Give my damn hot dog. At the American Coney Island lunch counter, Lincoln Park retiree Adrian Craw Hill grabs a paper bag that smells like spicy chili. It's a ritual she says she's repeated for decades. I love it. Best hot dog in the world. They got one in Vegas, been there too. Is this is the best place to be because this is the one that's been in my life the most. In the nearby dining area, Oregon native David Carrick texts pictures of his hot dog to a friend in Portland. He says the Coney aficionado told him he had to make a stop in Detroit and check out both Lafayette and American. So I started out next door and came over here. So this is like your second hot dog of the this day. This is the second one of the day. Yep. Oh my god. That's pretty good. I have to say though, I can't tell the difference between this one and the one next door. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> That's a bit sacrilegious for owner Grace Kiros. She says, with Coney Islands, it's all about the sauce. In Americans' case, she says, the homemade sauce. Detroit chili. That's our chili. We own it. We make it. We produce it for me. The sauce is considered top secret information. 
Author Catherine Young and Michigan State journalism teacher Joe Grimm literally wrote the book on Coney Islands in the state. They investigated Coney dogs, tacos, pizzas, even omelets from Flint to Port Huron and beyond. But Grimm says the specific ingredients in any given Coney sauce were never on the menu. We could not get a recipe any place. I went to a Coney Island in the Saginaw area. It was run by an old Greek guy, and uh, he was very proud of what he was making. I said, okay, what do you call the sauce? He said, oh, it's in Greek. Let me write it down for you. So he wrote on a piece of paper what the name of the sauce was. So I thought I had the solution, and I had somebody translate the paper when I got back to Detroit, and all he had written on the paper was red sauce. Young and Grimm say Coney sauce caused a literal war among Detroit restaurant owners in the 1960s. They actually held a contest to see who had the best beanless chili sauce. I think there was a bombing, and I think there was a court case, and I think the court case never was resolved because people didn't want to divulge their recipes. So it was kind of a draw. The Coney Dog itself became a draw for customers worldwide, everyone from TV celebrities to the Queen of England. But it's still kind of a secret in the New York neighborhood that gave birth to the American hot dog and the Coney name. She's my Coney Island baby. <laughs> That's Charles Denson. He directs the Coney Island History Project in Brooklyn. He says the research does not include anything about Coney Island hot dogs or restaurants. I've never heard of them, and there's no Detroit hot dog sold in Coney Island. Also, putting chili on a hot dog, uh, that's something else that uh, you wouldn't see in Coney Island. I mean, it's strictly mustard or relish, and uh, I think some people even put ketchup on, which is a little weird. Only mustard on a Coney. No ketchup! Back in American Coney Island, owner Grace Kiros reaches for one of the signature sandwiches, built just the way she says her grandfather made them more than a century ago. And, she says, that's how customers want it. When I see generations of families coming in here, my mom brought me, my dad brought me, I'm bringing my grandkid, that's what makes it all worth it. And there's not a week that goes by that we don't hear those stories. I got engaged here. I came here and had a Coney before I went and gave birth to my kid. That's what it's about. So there you have it, Grant Schumacher. Coney's came to Metro Detroit from Greece by way of New York and then spread their tasty tentacles far and wide. Hmm. You know, and interestingly, I was in uh, Montreal a couple months ago, and there was a couple restaurants. They would call a Coney dog a Michigan dog. But it was the same thing, though, huh? Yep, it's Coney dog, yeah. Coney Island owners in Metro Detroit might beg to differ, however. To them, if it's not an official Coney, it's just a hot dog. That story was produced by WDET's Quinn Kleinfelter. And in the piece, we heard a little bit from Joe Grimm and Catherine Young, who, as Quinn said, literally wrote the book on Coney's. We'll hear more from the authors after this short break. As newsrooms across the country close their doors, independent and unbiased journalism is more crucial than ever. We rely on you just like you rely on us. This spring fundraiser, join us in protecting public media. Your support keeps us thriving. Invest in WDET's next chapter at WDET.org or tap donate in our mobile app. Discovering why so many Coney's cover the region led authors Joe Grimm and Catherine Young on a journey filled with chili and surprise. As we heard earlier, they chronicled their findings in the book, Coney Detroit. Here's more from their conversation with Quinn Kleinfelter. You know, they actually started these Coney dog 
restaurants in several places around the country. That's what our research found. But in Detroit, that's where the love for the Coney dog really, really took off. So even today, you can go to other states and you might find an, a really old Coney Island that serves Coney dogs. But it's hard to say. We, we were not able to pinpoint who was the first restaurant to sell Coney dogs in Detroit. But in the early 1920s, you had a, a large population at that time. Detroit was booming. There were a lot of auto factories. You know, this hot dog concoction really took off because it was inexpensive food. It, you could eat it quickly between shifts at the factory. I give a lot of credit for the boom in uh, Coney Islands to hotboxing, which was the, the situation in Detroit around 1920 when there were so many men coming to Detroit to work in the auto industry that they couldn't find enough rooms to stay in so some of the people renting rooms would hotbox. That means you rent a room just for a shift. And so that means you get the room for eight hours a day, but then you have to get out and somebody else slides in because they just came off work at the factory and you've got to go to work. So it was said that the sheets never got cold because there was always people in there. So you had men all over the downtown area, hungry, um, looking for a quick, cheap meal, as Catherine said, and lunch counters in the area. There were a hot dog lunch counters and Chinese uh, chop suey places, they were great places for these men to find a meal. And although a lot of cities, as Catherine said, had Coney Island start, they just exploded in Detroit. We had so many. And then the food has been so popular here because of one family, the Karos family. There were two brothers from Greece and they opened these two restaurants and they became Detroit institutions essentially. American and Lafayette, Coney Islands. They are connected either by family or by business ties to well more than 100 Coney Islands that exist today. You mentioned that, that it was hard to figure out where the first one actually started. I had read that uh, the very, very first one was created in Jackson. Not true, not true. Catherine, tell them the, tell them the truth. There's not a lot of evidence for a lot of these claims. We're very skeptical when people say that they were the first ones because there's not really a lot of evidence to support this in, in the city directories. <laughs> so. Yeah, there was a newspaper columnist that was promoting the idea that Jackson invented the Coney dog. I called him up and I said, I don't think this is true. You should stop saying it until you until you know. And his answer was, just because you can't prove something doesn't mean it's not true, but ugh. Now, the interesting thing is it, a lot of people don't realize who live in Detroit that there are some fabulous Coney Islands in different cities in Michigan that do have a long history, and Jackson is an example of this. So. And Flint had the same kind of auto situation. Flint. They had some great Coney Islands. We, I think one day Catherine and I went to do our studies in Flint, and we didn't eat anything all day long, except I think we each had uh, five conies and uh, a hamburger. And Flint has a really strong coney tradition with a different style of coney dog. Yeah, I mean, there's variations in the spiciness and so on of the sauces, I understand. I would think eating that all day long would be kind of a very interesting gastrointestinal experience. Yes. In Detroit, you're talking about eating a beanless chili. In the other cities, your coney dog is going to be like a 
ground beef sauce. So that is a key difference that we noticed between Detroit and, and frankly, the rest of Michigan and the rest of the country. Catherine and I, we break for conies. If we see a Coney Island, we pull in, we check it out. And I went to a place on the west side of Detroit. It said Coney Island. And I went in and I did not see any hot dogs. So I asked the guys running it. I said, can I get a Coney Island here? And they said, no, chicken. And I said, no, but I want a Coney Island. They said, we just have chicken. They said, well, why is this place called a Coney Island if you don't have Coney Islands? And they said, in Detroit, if you want people to know you have a restaurant, you have to call it a Coney Island. I would run across old men that I would talk to who had owned the restaurant for decades. And they lived to a, a ripe old age eating Coney Dog or War every single day. So on the health <laughs> side, it's not as bad, I think, as people some people may think. There's hope for me. <laughs> and I even analyzed the calorie content of a Coney dog. I, I got really into it. And, and it's not as bad as you think. Let's just put it this way. <laughs> I, I was surprised we found Coney tacos. Catherine, in fact, Coney just, tacos are popular. You could put a whole hot dog in a taco. And then you put the sauce on top of it and onions and mustard. And th that's hard to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I know by now you've known the debate between, you know, who are you an American or a Lafayette? Well, good question. Person. So it's a long running debate in yeah. Detroit food history. My son came to Detroit, came home and brought his fiance. And he said, what is it with these Coney Wars? So I said, come on, I'll show you. So we went downtown, first go into one place, have a Coney dog and a Coke, then go into the other place next door, whichever one you didn't start with, have another Coney dog and another Coke and fries now if you want them. And then let's go out on the sidewalk. And I had them write the name of their favorite on a piece of paper while their backs were turned. And then they turned around and they showed me the papers and they matched. And they got married. They got married, of course. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> wow. Are you allowed to say which one was the winner? Catherine and I have made a pinky promise that we will not pick a favorite in this Coney <laughs> contest. That was Joe Grimm and Catherine Young, authors of Coney Detroit. They spoke to WDET's Quinn Kleinfelter. You've been listening to Curiosity, a production of 1019 WDET-FM, Detroit's NPR station. I'm Laura Herberg, the executive producer of this show. I want to thank Grant Schumacher for submitting his question, and thanks to Quinn Kleinfelter for reporting the answer. The interview with Joe Grimm and Catherine Young was also produced by Quinn. This episode was produced and edited by me. Mastering and additional mixing for the episode were done by WDET's Connor Anderson. Our music is by Will Sessions. Thanks to WDET podcast manager David Lyons for production support. WDET's digital team is Dave Kim and Sophia Joswiak. A reminder that we always want to hear from you. If there's something that you're curious about that's related to Detroit, submit it at WDET.org curious and you might hear your question featured in a future episode. The best questions typically are things that most people have wondered in Detroit, but sometimes you can ask a super specific random question, and if it has an interesting answer, we might also pick that for an episode. Again, you can submit your questions at wdet.org curious, and I will put the link in the show notes. And one more thing, if you happen to be listening to this episode at WDET.org, then I want to encourage you to open up your favorite podcast app. So that's like 
Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts, whatever podcast app you use, and search for Curiosity by typing in C-U-R-I-O-S-I-D, and then click subscribe. And that way you'll always be in the loop the next time that we answer a question about what listeners like you are curious about in Detroit. Thanks.